But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. In the name of Jesus, amen. The midwives Shipra and Pua were wise as serpents and innocent as doves. They were wise as serpents in that they lied to Pharaoh, telling him that the Hebrew women were more vigorous and before they had a chance to get there to murder the baby, as Pharaoh commanded, the child was already born. They were innocent as doves in that they feared God and they resisted Pharaoh's evil edict to murder the babies to begin with. Shipra and Pua obeyed God rather than men. Even if it was beneficial or convenient for Pharaoh and the Egyptians to decrease the Hebrew population, even if Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world, Shipra and Pua knew that for him to murder innocent boys is wrong. Because it really is that simple. Life is precious. It's a gift given by God, not something that can be ended by anyone, no matter what. Every person has inherent value because God has assigned that value by fashioning them and creating them, knitting them together in the wombs of their mother. This person simply has value Because he is a person, not based on whatever benefit they might bring to us or whatever deficit or hardship they might create, or whether or not he or she is wanted. What matters is that God, by the authority of his word and power, has created a human being in his own image and likeness. So Shipra and Pua obeyed God, and they disobeyed Pharaoh. And the Bible says that God blessed them. He made their families grow. He showed them his favor. Pharaoh doubled down and notice how rather than just having the midwives do it, he commanded all the people to do it, to throw the baby Hebrew boys into the Nile. The Pharaohs of our day tell us that killing babies can be a good thing, that it's health care, that it's a basic human right, or as it will read on our ballot in November, reproductive freedom. And who doesn't love freedom, right? But like Shipra and Pua, we must say no. Whatever intentions our pharaohs might have, However convincing they might be that this is for the best, we must obey God rather than men. This is not just a matter of a few Bible verses that we pull out here and some proof texts there. This really is essential to the whole of Christian doctrine of who our God is and what he does. In just a couple of months, we will celebrate Christmas 
the incarnation of our Lord, God's becoming flesh and blood, shows us how God has become one of us in order to take up our cause. God, the Almighty One, the maker of heaven and earth, the king of the universe, is now and forever will be a man, a person. He was God the zygote, God the embryo, God the 24-week gestation baby fluttering and kicking in his mother's womb, God the baby crying at the moment of his birth, God taking his first breath, God wrapped up in swaddling clothes, God laid in a manger. God with skin and bones and teeth and hair for you in order to rescue you from sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. He who is almighty and all-powerful comes in weakness, in vulnerability. He is subject to rejection, to death. He comes in order to suffer, to bleed, to die, and to rise. God is a person, a man. He is your brother, just like you in every way, yet without sin. He is not ashamed to call you his own. And not only is your God a person, but he's interested in people. He came in our weakness, in our vulnerability, in the womb of his virgin mother, suffered himself to be rejected, and was crucified in order to win you, to die for you and to be laid in a tomb in order to grant eternal life to all. And now that you belong to him as one of his Christians, one who bears his name and abides in his word, you have an obligation, a duty, to love God and to love your neighbor, and especially your neighbors who cannot speak for themselves. As Paul told us this evening, the love of Christ controls us. That love of Christ means we are to follow the lead of Shipra and Pua, our littlest neighbors, these tiny babies. They are the afflicted. They are the fatherless. They are the oppressed. In their weakness and frailty, they need our prayers. They need our support. They need our love. And we must repent of our silence, of our failure to stop this evil. We can do better. We must, as we are able, to love and serve our little neighbors. Because if we, the church, who are the ambassadors of the love of Christ, if we do not show the world the love of Christ, then who will? And the same is true for those of us who are Christian, those among us who have procured an abortion those who have been complicit in carrying one out. It is practically automatic, as it should be, for Christians to say that Jesus died for the sins of the world. But when it comes to these certain sins, whatever sins happen in the dark, whatever happened in the past, whatever it is that you torment yourself with at night, whatever it is that the devil says 
Well, that is certainly the one sin that Christ will not forgive and cannot forgive. Your abortion, your acquiescence to an abortion, your adultery, your silence, your lies, whatever your evil is or was. But dear Christian, your God will have none of that. Jesus has come to suffer, to die, and to rise for the sins of the world, including all of these sins. He hung on the cross and shed his blood to pay the price for them all. Now, the air that we breathe in our world, in our culture, is the aroma of death. Abortion, which is this totally utilitarian view of life, which declares that someone is valuable or deserves to live based on what they can provide for us, or what they might take away from us. This is the great evil of our day. But we can show the world a still more excellent way, a way that values all life, every life, from the womb all the way to the tomb. Because we are creatures who have been knit together by our God, redeemed by his blood, made holy by his spirit. And your sin is paid for by Jesus dying. Your death is undone by his dying for you. Death has been swallowed up altogether by his rising. And your Lord Jesus comes to you still every day in preaching, in baptism, in his own body and blood, with blood and water springing forth from the punctured side of his very human body, the body that God knit together inside the womb of his virgin mother. As it turns out, Mary's body did not belong to her after all, because her womb and every mother's womb belongs to God. It is the workshop of the Holy Spirit, where he knits together a body in which you will live with God forever. What a marvelous work our God does in creating us, forming us in the womb and redeeming us by his blood, and promising us life, not death, for all eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen.